If you'd remain standing for our scripture reading, which comes from 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Finally, brothers and sisters, pray for us so that the Lord's message will spread quickly and be honored just as it happened with you. Pray, too, that we will be rescued from inappropriate and evil people since everyone that we meet won't respond with faith. But the Lord is faithful and will give you strength and protect you from the evil one. We are confident about you in the Lord that you are doing and will keep doing what we tell you to do. May the Lord lead your hearts to express God's love and Christ's endurance. Brothers and sisters, we command you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to stay away from every brother or sister who lives an undisciplined life that is not in line with the traditions that you receive from us. You yourselves know how you need to imitate us because we were not undisciplined when we were with you. We didn't eat anyone's food without paying for it. Instead, we worked night and day with effort and hard work so that we would not impose on you. We did this to give you an example to imitate. Not because we didn't have a right to insist on financial support. Even when we were with you, we were giving you this command. If anyone doesn't want to work, they shouldn't eat. We hear that some of you are living an undisciplined life. They aren't working, but they are meddling in other people's business. By the Lord Jesus Christ, we command and encourage such people to work quietly and put their own food on the table. Brothers and sisters, don't get discouraged in doing what is right. Take note of anyone who doesn't obey what we have said in this letter. Don't associate with them so that they will be ashamed of themselves. Don't treat them like enemies, but warn them like you would for a brother or sister. May the Lord of peace himself give you peace in every way. The Lord be with all of you. I, Paul, am writing this greeting with my own hand. This verifies that the letter is from me, as in every letter of mine, this is how I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with all of you. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. If I can invite you to be seated, please. This morning we're going to wrap up our sermon series, Marathon Faith, as we have looked at these two letters to the church. Paul's letters to the church in Thessalonica, in First and Second Thessalonians, and we've seen how God continued to work, how Paul and even the Thessalonians were distanced from each other, yet they were able to overcome the distance, and Paul was able to continue encouraging and directing this church and this Christian community through letters, and we can assume messengers, people that traveled back and forth between uh, Thessalonica, and then at the time, Paul was in both Athens and Corinth as he was communicating with them. In these letters, I think what we have seen is that one of the general themes that Paul is focusing on is how believers in Christ must persevere in the faith. And so I hope as we've read these letters, you've been able to see first how the Thessalonians were dealing with, with situations of persecution and struggles and other things that were going on in their lives and in their community and how Paul kept turning them back and saying, even as you are facing what you are facing, even as you are experiencing what you are experiencing, the main thing that you need to remember is that as a believer in Christ, you have to persevere in the faith. And see, his fear was that the Thessalonians would be torn away from their faith in Jesus as they faced various trials, as they faced struggles, and other forms of persecution as fallout for their decision to be followers of Jesus. And so in 1 Thessalonians, we also read that followers of Christ must remember that God has placed on us a high calling that we have responded to. 
And even at that, as that same calling was being challenged, we were to remember, and Paul himself, this was his experience, is that even as he was teaching, even as he had changed his life to be a follower of Jesus and to spread the gospel news to all of those that he was around, his calling was being opposed. As people were calling into conduct his question, or calling into question his conduct and the other ways that he was acting. So that they could prompt enough questions in those who had become followers of Jesus that they would question and they would fall away from the faith. And in 1 Thessalonians, we saw a couple weeks ago that Paul wrapped it up by encouraging them to remain focused on their future and to remain focused on the promised return that God had made to each of us that Jesus Christ would return. For the last two weeks, we've, we've talked in, and looked at 2 Thessalonians, where Paul has is, is written this letter shortly after his first letter to the Thessalonian church. And in 2 Thessalonians, Paul builds on the situation that's essentially the same. There's this previous encouragement. He builds on this previous instruction. And in this letter, as we've seen the last two weeks, he specifically focuses on how the Thessalonians are suffering as he writes to them that their suffering is preparing them for the return of Jesus. And so last week we talked about some letters, or, or part of this letter that, that is often skipped over, that talks about the apocalypse and the return of Jesus and what's going to happen. And in it, basically, Paul said what? He said, you can't anticipate the return of Jesus. You can't foretell when it is going to happen. No matter who you are listening to that is saying that, that they have got this prophecy or this foretelling or whatever it is. He says you can't anticipate it and there would be signs and there would no one knows the time or day and, and only G, not even Jesus knows, only God. And basically what Paul is telling to them is don't spend all your time waiting and anticipating. You need to spend your time living as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And as we've read in this morning's scripture, that's part of what Paul reinforces when he tells them, you don't need to be sitting around waiting or looking or anticipating or just not doing anything. In the scripture, it says being idle. Because he provides himself as an example. Where he says, look at me, the whole time I was there, all the food I ate, we bought with our own money. We worked while we were with you, even as we taught. Basically, what Paul is showing to the Thessalonians is to say, look at my conduct, look at the way I lived among you, and see how I'm living faithfully in response to the grace that God has given, because I believe that that is how we should all live. So this morning, as we're wrapping up these two letters and, and the, the way that we've walked through First and Thessalonians, I know there's certainly portions of the scripture that I've not spent a lot of time reading on, and I hope that, that it's been good for all of you. But I think the question that we need to ask at the end of this, this, this series, and then also as Paul wraps up 2 Thessalonians, is he basically gets the Thessalonians thinking, what does it mean to be faithful? What does it mean for us to be unfaithful? And for us, what does that mean? For them, what did that mean? And in today's world and in today's culture, it's, it's the same as the Thessalonians experienced. I mean, our clothes are different. We have cars. We have electricity. But, I mean, really, if you think about the situations, 
of what it means to be a human and of what it means to face sin and of what it means to face temptation and of what it means to experience persecution in varying forms because of your faith. Friends, it's no different. Is it? See, I think the questions that we pose and we face and we receive and we ask ourselves today about what it means to be faithful and what it means to be unfaithful are exactly the same ones that the Thessalonians were wrestling with themselves when Paul wrote to them this letter. And my guess is all of us have our own idea of what it means to be faithful and what it means to be unfaithful. My guess as I was thinking of this is when it comes to looking at others, I think we all have a real good idea of what faithfulness and unfaithfulness should be for them. But then when it comes to us, maybe we're a little more gray in that. Or maybe we're more willing to offer grace to ourselves when it comes to faithfulness and unfaithfulness while not being willing to extend that same grace to others. Or we could hold ourselves to a higher standard when it comes to being faithful or unfaithful with, and, and not be willing to, to extend grace to other people. But see, I think as Paul is, is having the Thessalonians wrestle with this question, I think he's also not answering it for them. Because he's telling them essentially what it means to be faithful is how you measure yourself to God. Because as he's talking about it, I know what he's thinking and I know this is what we would do. Is, you know, we look to other people to compare ourselves. And so Paul just, just skips over that altogether. As he compares the Thessalonians to God and as he looks at God himself, Paul shows the Thessalonians and us a picture of who he knows God to be and of who he believes God to be. And so God being faithful to Paul in this letter means that God never forgets. That God never fails. That God never falters. That God always keeps God's word. That God is faithful at all times and in everything. And then God who is, is God. God's never going to change. See, I think this is huge. I think this is huge for us to read these scriptures and for us to focus on them and for us to realize that, that what Paul is saying to the Thessalonians is don't look around the room and compare yourselves to others as you're listening to this letter. Don't look around and, and think how, how others might be faithful and how you're being unfaithful and, and to say so-and-so is faithful because of this or they're unfaithful because of that because we know that that's our tendency. It's in our tendency as, as humans to compare ourselves to other, whether that's like surface level things, like what people are wearing, what they drive, or maybe it's more deeper, like how we perceive the way that someone conducts business or is honest or engages in relationships or even practices their faith. At our core, we are built to compare ourselves to other people. At our core, I think we know the truth. That if someone is looking at us, often we're not at the level that they've placed us at. Or if we look at others, we might wonder who they are on the inside compared to what they're presenting on the outside. See, friends, if we spend all our time doing that, if we spend all our time working to, to maintain or to stay at whatever level that, that others are, we can quite literally run ourselves into the ground. 
And see, I think the reason Paul's telling the Thessalonians to just compare themselves to God, because he knows that if they're running themselves into the ground, that when you get run into the ground or you're exhausted in your faith, then, then what does that cause you to do? It causes you to question God. Your value, how you've accepted or, or how you've related to Jesus Christ in your life. And we could do this spiritually, right? Looking at others and thinking they have it all together. Comparing ourselves to them and getting discouraged or dismayed. Paul knows that that's our tendency as humans. And, and I believe that, that he even at times had to look at Peter and James and John and the other apostles of the church. And it really makes me wonder, because I wonder if he looked at them and thought, what I'm doing is not near to that. Or I wonder if he thought, you know, as, as he heard of, of what Peter or James were doing in Jerusalem, if he thought, Does, is what I'm doing in Thessalonica or with this church in Corinth or wherever I am at, how does it compare? But see, I think he learned the secret of what it means to live a spiritual life and to live in response to God, God's grace and what it means to be faithful. And Paul hit it on the head. When he really said, the only thing you can compare yourself to, to God is, is God when it comes to faithfulness. And so he wrote, the Lord is faithful. And see, we can't fully understand this statement as Paul writes that God is faithful because you and I can never be, in, in a sense, as faithful as God has been to us. I mean, look at the Old Testament, look at the scriptures, whatever scripture it is you want to open your Bible to, you can see an example of God's faithfulness, can't you not? I mean, you can read the book of Deuteronomy is, is basically an extension of the book of Exodus, and so in the book of Deuteronomy, uh, Moses is, is charting out and listing the examples of how God chose to be faithful to love and to journey with the people of Israel for all of those years, for their entire existence when they were in Egypt, from their deliverance all the way until they entered the promised land. Those are all pictures of God's faithfulness. As they prepared to enter the promised land, Moses reminded them that God had chosen them and that God had chosen them because God was faithful to them and had kept covenant and had showed and continued relationship. See, that's what God's offering to us and that's what Paul's saying to the Thessalonians is first and foremost, for you to be faithful and for you to look at your faithfulness, you have to realize that the only person that you can compare yourself to is God. And we can never be as faithful as God. In the book of Jeremiah and Lamentations, Paul, Jeremiah is a prophet that God has called. The Babylonians are coming. The Babylonians are laying siege to Jerusalem. The Babylonians are destroying the city. And when the city falls, many of the leading citizens that are left are taken to Babylon, leaving just the, the normal folks. And so Jeremiah has been called by God to stay. And so even as the walls of the city are being destroyed, even as the temple is being knocked down, Jeremiah is able to preach and to share a message of faithfulness to the people of God. To those who have witnessed the fall of, of the temple, the destruction of the walls, even as things seem hopeless, Jeremiah says and reminds the people and tells the people that God is faithful and that what they have seen is not the end. As that a remnant will return to the land of Israel to rebuild the city and to rebuild Jerusalem. What Jeremiah is telling to them is that even as everything around them seems to be falling apart, God continues to be faithful, right? In both of these examples, God acts and God is faithful. 
And in Paul, verse 1, Paul um, touches on those that don't have faith. Is it, it, He talks about those who don't have faith, and then he talks about how God is faithful. And as he talks about this faithfulness and says not all have faith, Paul reminds us that in Jesus, all have been given the opportunity to know him. He also reminds us that not all who hear of Jesus choose to believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God when given the opportunity, when he says not all have faith. Friends, this is because God loves us and offers us the opportunity to be in relationship with him through Jesus. God offers us the opportunity for that relationship because of God's faithfulness. This means that God knows who you are and God knows what you are going to be and God knows what you're doing, but God still gives you the opportunity each and every day to believe in Jesus. It's your call. It's your choice. It's your opportunity to respond in faith to what God has done for you. This is, it's, it's on us. And it also means that God hasn't predestined or predetermined who's going to believe in him and who's not. Because he knows who you are, and he knows what we will do when it comes to being in relationship with him. And to do that, he gives us the perfect example of what it means to be faithful and allowing us to respond to God's grace by believing in him. See, we are able to do and to be who God wants us to be because of the opportunity that we have to respond in faith to who He is, and to who God is for us, and to who He will be. It doesn't mean that, that, that we've been pre-selected. What it means is that Jesus has died, and we've all been given the opportunity to hear and to choose to be faithful. Even as God gives us the perfect example of what it means to be faithful. We can look to God for hope, for inspiration, for encouragement, for support, for everything else. But I think what Paul wants the Thessalonians to see and he wants them to remember and we need to hear as a church is that we can depend on God because he's faithful. And because he's faithful, we know that God will establish us, that he will guard us, and that we can have confidence in him, not because of what we're doing, but because of his faithfulness. In the sending of his son, in the death of his son, and in the resurrection and the life that we've been offered, we can celebrate because the Lord is faithful. Amen.